Thank you for coming on today's podcast. Let's go ahead and pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Daily Reflections. I'm not different. February the 19th. In the beginning, it was four whole years before AA brought permanent sobriety to even one alcoholic women. Like the high bottoms, the women said they were different. The skid roarer said he was different. So did the artists and the professional people and the rich, the poor, the religious, the agnostic, the Indians, the Eskimos, the veterans, and the prisoners. Nowadays, all of these and legions more soberly talk about how very much alike all of us all of us alcoholics are when we admit that the chips are finally down. As Bill sees it, page 24. I cannot consider myself different in AA. If I do, I isolate myself from others and from contact with my higher power. If I feel isolated in AA, it is not something for which others are responsible. It is something I created by feeling I'm different in some way. Today, I practice being just another alcoholic in the Worldwide Fellowship of Alcoholic Anonymous. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Stay. Can't hurt any. No big deals. Easy does it. Think, think, think. Live and let live. First things first, but for the grace of God. All right, welcome to today's podcast. Let's go ahead and open with a serenity prayer, please. Then the set aside prayer. God. I set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about this program. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's try it again. God, I set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about this program, my fellow man and myself, for a fresh new insight in you, God, in my fellow man, in this readings, in this program. To be of better service to you and myself. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome to today's reading. Let's go ahead and start with page 86, please, on awakening. I'll go ahead and start it, and then you can... Rick will follow through. 86, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed in a much higher plane when our thinking is clear to wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. 
Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of observed actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it.
nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake until I could accept my alcoholism. I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to not concentrate so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. He forgot to mention that I was a chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation. And I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. AA and acceptance has taught me that there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. Bad in the best of us. And that we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. For years I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today I find it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I'm better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life terms as it is today, especially my own life as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions, while the world was judging me by my actions. Excitement has been the answer to my marital problems. This new AA had given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have now been married now for 35 years prior to her marriage. <clears throat> she was a shy, scrawny adolescent. I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a different busy to talk to, and a sense of humor, many other fine qualities. It was rather that, that, that a biased touch, which turns everything into gold, I had a magnified mind that could magnify on whatever it focuses on. Over the years, I thought about Max and her good qualities grew and grew, and we married, and all of these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects. And the more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I poured out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was nothing, she reduced the receding into a little bit, no, a little bit more into nowhere. The more I drank, the more she will drink. Then one day I was told that I had the lenses in my glasses backwards. The courage to change the serenity prayer meant not that I should change my marriage, but rather I should change myself and learn to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can again focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same thing with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on its defects, defects late starts, long, drunk along, cigarette smokes, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what's wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Me? Yeah. Perhaps the best thing for me to remember is that my 
history is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower my strain. I can watch my surrender level rise when I discard my expectations, but by my rights, they try to move in, and they too can force my surrender level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How, how important is it compared to my serenity and my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than anything else, I can maintain it at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit around and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do what's there in front of me that needs to be done and leave the results up to him. Now <clears throat> it turns out, we see, that's God's will for me. I must keep my magnifying mind off my acceptance and, on my, and off my expectations for my serenity is directly proportional to the level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see a different ass so good. Thank God for AA. Amen. Thank God for AA. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you want, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free, even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassion, understanding, and love. It worked for me then and it has worked for me many times since and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I barely find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100, please. <clears throat> 100? 100. You, both you and the new man. Thank you. <clears throat>
a new happiness. We will never regret the past or shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and, be, and we will be able to know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experiences can benefit others, and a feeling of usefulness and self-pity will disappear. We'll lose interest in our selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. A whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fewer people in economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations with use of us. We will suddenly realize we are doing we will realize that God is doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Are these describing the promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they will only materialize if we work for them. If we work for them. Amen. Page 85, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do. For alcohol is a subtle fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from Him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed His directions, we have begun to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further, and that means more action. Page 43, please. Thank you. against the first strength. Except for fewer cases, Leonor nor any other human being can provide such a defense. This defense must come from a higher power. Dean, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful words of life. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming on here. Thank you, Rick, for helping me with my recovery. Remember, expect a miracle. This is the miracle producing words. Let's, uh, let's pray out with the Our Father, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever Amen. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working. See you later. See you tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Set aside prayer. Lord, help me to forget everything I know about myself, about you, and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Help me to realize that I can have a brand new experience with you and this program and how I act and do things. In your name we pray. Amen. Reading from page 24. The fact is that most alcoholics, for a reason yet obscure, have lost their power of choice in drink. 
Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without the defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequence that follows taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we should handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way, and after the third or fourth pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have the thoughts supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and so we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life toward our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do for ourselves. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Turn to page 62, please, where it says selfishness and self-centeredness. Selfish self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles. 
driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us have had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and what of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs, more and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. Many of us, now we were at step three. Many of us said to our Maker, as we understood Him, God, I offer myself to Thee, to build with me and to do with me as Thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do Thy will. Take away my difficulty, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of Thy power, Thy love, and the way of life. May I do Thy will always." We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to Him. Page 76. Turn to page 76, second paragraph, where it says, When ready. Are you ready? When ready, we say something like this. My Creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. Now we turn to page 86 on awakening. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. 
we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still, inexperienced, and being, and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of observed actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to religious denomination, we require a definite morning devotion. We attend to that also. If not members of religious body, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize their principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worthy, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily. For we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. Now go ahead and move over to page 416, all the way back. Page 416. It helped me a great deal to the bottom. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue, that I have been drinking as a result of a compulsion even though I had not been aware of the compulsion at that time, and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. 
The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I had been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts. And it's all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolute nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. Shakespeare said, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I always was able to see the flaw in every person, in every situation. And I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection, just as I did. AA and acceptance has taught me that there is a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us, that we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. For years, I was sure that the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or anyone. So I am better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life as it actually is. Before A, I judged myself by my intentions, while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is as though AA had given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift for being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was as if I had, rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to gold. A magnifying 
mind that magnified whatever it focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew, and we married, and all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But then, as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects, and the more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was a nothing, she receded a little more into nowhere. The more I drank, the more she wilted. Then one day in AA, I was told that I had the lenses in my glasses backwards. The courage to change in the serenity prayer meant not that I should change my marriage, but rather that I should change myself and learn to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can again focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow and grow and grow. I can do the same thing with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on his defects, late starts, long drunkologues, cigarette smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what was wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better, better, and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. When I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420. Next page. Perhaps the best thing of all. Perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but then my rights try to move in and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it to compare to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than on anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to Him. However it turns out, that's God's will for me. I must keep my man magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of, like, of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Turn to page 552, towards the back of the book. He said, in effect, He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, 
If you will pray for the person or thing that you want to, that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, and it has worked for me many times since. And it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you want to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replace it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. Everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous and everything I need I get. And when I get what I need, I am verily fine that it was just what I needed all the time. Let me read that again. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous. And everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I am verily fine that it was just what I wanted all the time. Okay, let's go page back to 100. Page 100, please. Both you and the new man. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstance. Turn to page 83 at the bottom if we are painstaking. Page 83, please. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be made amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations we used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Now go straight across to page 85 where it says it is easy. 
It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from Him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious. We have begun to develop this vital success. But we must go further, and that means more action. Turn to page 43. Bottom paragraph, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. The end. And the instructions are is to underline and read these every day with this recording and eventually make your own recording and then send your recording to me. Send it in. This is homework. You got to do this so you can feel that you're doing the, the deal. You're doing the work and we're planting seeds. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. 416. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for coming on today's reading of Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're going to start on page 416 today, please. Let's go ahead and open up with the set-aside prayer, please. God, I set aside everything I think I know about you, about this program, my fellow man, for a fresh new revelation in who you are, my fellow man, the value of my fellow man and the value of this program so that we can be a better service to you and our fellow man. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> All right. Uh, go ahead and get us started, Rick, please. The top of 416, or it helped me a great deal. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism and disease is not a moral issue. I had been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I have not been aware of that compulsion at the time. And sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had. But I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance has proven the key to my drinking problem. Uh, after I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, okay, God, it's true. Of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts. And it's all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem, began living in the answer, 
I probably went away, but that moment on, I have done one single compulsion to drink. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, All the world is a stage and all the men and women are merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. AA and acceptance has taught me that there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us and that we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. For years, I was sure that the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find that it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I am better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It's through giving me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, she was a shy, spiny adolescent. I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift for be easy to talk to, and a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was... As if I had, rather than a minus touch that turns everything into gold, a magnifying mind that could magnify it on whatever it focuses on. Over the years, I thought about her, about Max, and her good qualities grew and grew. And we married, and all these qualities became more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see my... What was good about my wife, I began to see her defects. And the more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was nothing, she uh, receded a little into nowhere. And the more I drank, the more she was. Then one day I was told that I had the lenses in my glasses backwards. The courage to change the serenity prayer meant not that I should change my marriage, but rather that I should change myself and learn to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. <clears throat> I can again focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same thing with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on its defects, late starts, long, drunk, log, cigarette smoke, 
little worse, the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting, rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it, rather than what's wrong with it, the meaning keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Perhaps the best thing all for me to remember is that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of banks and other people are, the lower my serenity. I can have, I can watch other people live it. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but my rise try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights and the, as well as my expectations by asking myself how important is it uh, really how important is it to bear to my serenity my emotional sobriety and when i place more value on my serenity and my sobriety than anything else i can maintain it at a higher level at least for the time being except has been the key to my relationship with god today I never just sit around doing nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do what's ever in front of me that needs to be done and leave the results up to him. However, that turns out, that's God's will for me. I must keep my magnifying mind off my acceptance. I must keep my magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Amen. Let's go ahead and, and turn back to page 86, please. 86. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day before we begin. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is created of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd action and ideas Nevertheless, we find that our thinking as time passes be more and more on the plane of, of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude this period of meditation with prayer <clears throat> that will be shown throughout the day. What, what uh, a prayer that is shown throughout the day, what our next step is to be. Uh, given whatever we need to take care of such problems, especially asking for freedom of self-will and careful to make no requests for ourselves only. 
we may ask for ourselves. However, if others should be held, we careful never to pray for our own selfish hands. Many of us waste a lot of time doing that. It doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives, our friends to join us in morning meditation. If we become, if we belong to a religious body, a religious domination, <clears throat> which requires definite morning devotion, we say that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers, which we emphasize the principles we have been discussing. <clears throat> there are many helpful books out there, also. Suggestions of these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves, we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life. It really works. Arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. Let's go ahead and, and go to page 60, 62 at the bottom. 62 where it says, I'll start us off. <clears throat> this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass through freedom. Pass, go ahead. <clears throat> when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer being all powerful. He provided what we needed to keep close to him and performance worked well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans of design. And more and more, we became interested in seeing what we contributed to life. As we felt a new power flow in and enjoyed peace of mind, we discovered we could face life successfully. We became conscious of his presence. We began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and thereafter. We were reborn. We are now on step three. Many of us had said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee and build with me as do with me as thou will. Relieve me from the bondage of self and that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties and picture over them. And may I bear witness to all those who I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure that we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. <clears throat> Page 76, please. 76. When ready, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that he should have all of me. Good and bad, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. Okay, we're going to take a special roundabout. Let's, let's go back to page 25. There's a couple of... Uh, there's a couple of... 
right in the middle of 25 where it says, you know, I can't find it on my book. You go to 25, I think it's the second paragraph or the third paragraph. There's a couple of paragraphs in there that are our favorites that we like. Um, are you there now? Yeah. Okay, what's the, what's the, uh, the middle paragraph or the second paragraph? Yeah, yeah, the one before that and that one. Read those two, please. The one before that, please. Well, that is, uh, there is a solution. Yeah, that one. You want me to start? Yeah, please. Okay, there is a solution. Most of us then like searching and leveling our pride, confessions of our shortcomings, which promise requires a successful consolidation. We have saw that it really worked in others. We had become believe, to believe that in a homeless and fraternity of life, we had been living it. When therefore we were approached by those whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to do but pick up a simple kit of spiritual schools, lay our feet. We have found much of heaven and been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, which we never have, we have not even dreamed. <clears throat> Great fact is just this. And nothing less, we've had a deep, affecting spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and towards God's universe. A central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way, in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has convinced and accomplished those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and go to page 100, please. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things that came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. Page 83, The Promises. If we are painstaking... Go ahead. 83? 83, The Promises. Thank you. You want me to go? Please. If we were basically about this phase of development of our, we'd be amazed before we were halfway through. We were going to know a new freedom, a new happiness, and we will not, not regret the past nor should the door. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will now, we will, we will see now how our experiences can benefit others. The feeling of usefulness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in our selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. And we will intuitively know how to handle the situations which used to baffle us. We, <clears throat> we will suddenly realize God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these private promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they always materialize We work for them. Work, work, work. Thank you. Page 85, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fall. 
We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day where we must must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish, it is the proper use of the will. Go ahead, Rick. <clears throat> Much has been already said, have been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from those who, uh, <clears throat> who has the all knowledge and power. We have been grateful to follow directions, and we've got a sense of flow of His Spirit into us. <clears throat> to some extent, we become God conscious. We will begin to develop a vital success, but this begins more action. Amen. Okay, now page 43. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times, the bottom of 43, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. D.N., beautiful, beautiful, wonderful words of life. Thank you, everyone, for coming on here. Thank you, Rick. And remember, expect a miracle. Let's go ahead and close out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It works. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, everyone. Bye-bye. Praise God. It's that you're not Fernando. I am an alcoholic. It's only by God's grace that I'm here, fully clothed and in my right mind. I want to thank the, the judge and the attorney that turned on me and sent me to Alcoholic Anonymous. Uh, and they also sent me to Anabuse. They thought that, that maybe um, instead of, re- of being, because I was recommended by the Highway Patrol on the report on the thing, uh, severely punish this man. Mm. You know, and uh, the attorney, he had just done my divorce and he got in front of the, uh, he had to get in front of me and in front of the judge because I thought he was off his rocker. You know, I asked the guy, I said, uh, you know, why are you going to do this? And uh, I'm not an alcoholic. And I got like the hair group got him back, got up on my back and I had wrecked my brand new pickup truck. It was a Chevy. I wrecked it in my uh my neighbor's fence at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, totally drunk. And what happened was, is uh, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I got sued to put the, the, the thing back on when, when they, they repaired the car, <clears throat> the pickup truck. Um, but my sobriety date is 1994 of uh, August, and my home group is at the park, Finkbinder Park, there at 9 a.m. Some of you have seen me there, you know. Uh, I just like the outdoors, and uh, actually, Amy helped me start the 9 a.m. Her way back then. She probably doesn't remember, but when we got it started, 
they were running uh, uh, the meetings, they were helping. And because of that, now we get 10, 15 people out there, 9 a.m., seven days a week. Um, <clears throat> I came in Alcoholic Anonymous, and um, I had, well, let me tell you how I got there. I'm going to be ahead of time, you know. I was dri- driving down the street by myself, and all of a sudden, I, I very casual, lived close to Hollywood, having a great time, just, you know, convertible, 1963 Chevy, just like we normally do, and I get a red light. The problem was I was drinking whiskey, and it was like 100-year-old whiskey, and we had just robbed a house. The car was stolen, and, and they put the light on me, so the most thing to do was to put it on low and, and get away, right? Mm-hmm. Why would you put a Chevy on low and thinking you're going to have a high gear, right? But we tried to take off, and soon enough, they, they caught up to me, and I pulled the car over, and I ran up the hill, and I could hear the cop running after me with all his chains and so forth. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. And I ran all the way to the top, and it was about 2 in the morning. We were exhausted, and I fell. I just, everything went black. I just ran out of blood, and I fell down on, on the floor. And uh, luckily, the cop had ran back to get the car. And I just got up, and I crawled into a bush. And as soon as I jumped into the bush, I saw the headlights hit me. And then I just stood under the bush, and I could see these shiny shoes, kind of like mine right now, running back and forth. And I could see their shoes looking for me. They caught my buddy. And that was, uh, <clears throat> that was the way I had been in out 30 times in, in a juvenile hall. You know, I, I originally came from Mexico. My daddy was a drink, drink drunker. He beat up my mom. Um, you know, I forgot to say my prayer. Uh, the uh, set-aside prayer. This helps me a lot. Uh, God, I set aside everything I think I know about you, about my fellow man, this program for a fresh new revelation in you and my fellow man, myself, and these 12 steps for your service. Amen. I have a... um, So... I went to uh, juvenile hall many times and then finally got out and then I, I left home at 16. I figured, well, I might as well go to work. I couldn't, I couldn't get along with my brother. You know, he had gotten out of road camp. I had gotten out of road camp and we were just, and it was just a, six of us in the house and we had grown up. My dad wasn't there. So I decided to steal a car. That's what we do, you know, so we pick a Mustang <laughs> and go up Northern California. I went up there, I was 16, and I started working for Foster Farms, sleeping in the, in the stolen car. And, um, and then before you know it, a couple of years later, I got a girl, she's pregnant, and, and then I'm, I'm married, and that kind of like a shotgun wedding, and then and, and, and we're still drinking, and now, now we got, she bought a 1970 Malibu with a 396 in it, and I was just, man, I'm still having dreams of that car. Burning rubber and just enjoying life with beer, booze, and and uh, living wild way up in the San Joaquin Valley, up in the Modesto area. Um, so by the time I had three uh, three cars, you know, cars had a uh, 1957 Chevrolet station wagon, had a 51 Buick, and then we had that car. And uh, I was still working the chicken farm. Finally, I couldn't handle uh, marriage. You know, I didn't really know her. She was older than me. Uh, you know, for, for some of us old-timers, we remember Buddy Miles down by the river. 
that, that song. And that was our wedding song with, with a bottle of whiskey, you know. And we had those old record players that played that song over and over and over again. <laughs> and uh, thank God that the, uh, when they went to name my son, the, they came and they asked me. I've been, been drunk for a couple of days, and they asked me, uh, what do you want to name the boy? And I said, Mm-hmm. Well, what's your name? Fernando. Okay, they won't name him Fernando. And when he grew up, I said, Dad, why'd you name me Fernando? I said, I did it, the nurses did, you know. <laughs> I was just drunk. <laughs> and then I had another boy, and then I started driving truck, and, and the, the, the wife then wasn't happy, you know. I, had, I brought her down from up there and brought her down here, and she drank. She started drinking with some gals, and they, they started discoing, you know. And then, and uh, so we parted ways and stuff. And I drank uh, for two years and moved into a '55 Chevy I had purchased. Purchased a '55 Chevy, and you know, you purchase this car and you tell your buddies you're gonna this is gonna be a great hot rod car. And, and I'm drinking; it's all flat, totally green, you know, old and everything, four door, banged up. Uh, and I'm drinking and talking about the all these things, you know. We're gonna do with a car one day. It took me three years. I finally finished it. I got it. Uh, went down to San Diego, put a new engine in it, and so forth. But that's where I got my first DUI in that car. I had one of these uh, when I was in San Diego. It's what I did most of my uh, heavy duty drinking, and I lost my truck driving job because of that. I was racing another car down El Cajon Boulevard with that out of my mind. We had drank everything in the house. I'm so thirsty. Nothing can quench it. It was, I, I, I just was out of control, out of my mind. I wanted, you know, the wine, the whiskey, all the beer went. So then I went into the medicine cabinets and take a shot of isoprol alcohol, so you're that. And then how about the uh, polo cologne, you know? I have, this, this has got alcohol in it. It doesn't get you drunk, but you smell good. <laughs> so I got busted that night, and I'm driving truck. I have a great responsibility to take a semi I was very fortunate to get a, a, a job and, and go to Arizona with a load, of, a load of bread. And when I was drinking, I would take a six-pack on the, on, the, on the truck and drink it. And then I, what am I doing? Ethics. So I started throwing, and there's snow up there on the hills. I ate, I throw them on the ground, and on the way back, when it's summer, I'm looking for the beers where I threw in the, in the snow, you know, that was... But nevertheless, I got the DUI, they, they, they busted me, and on that report, they put down, severely punished this guy. Oh, no, they didn't say that. They said, I said, that's okay, officers, I'm in the process of getting my GED, and I fell backwards. That's what the report said. And they, they stuck me in the, in, the, in the tank, the drunk tank, and um, I went in there and I said, are there any Teamsters in here? I was full of shit, you know, thinking we're going to get the union to get us out or something. But what happened was I got bailed out and I went straight to the truck. It was ready, full of bread. And they didn't know, they didn't have no inclination. I didn't even know I was going to get bailed out. I'm 23, 24 years old. I got this great responsibility. I hopped in the truck and I went all the way up there. And um, after a while, the... I had to quit because of DOI, you know, they, 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 took, they get, took my license away for six months and I quit the job and I kept drinking and then I couldn't pay, pay the, uh, I was down in San Diego, I couldn't pay the, 
Oh, the, anything, not even the rent. I used to be the, uh, the manager there and collect all the rents. They started taking all these things away, and I, I, had, I started collecting bottles and cans in the freeway. I lost the weight. Like removed, I was down to about 130 pounds, uh, and, and I was picking up uh, cigarettes, and my buddies would come at the, at the weekend, and we would drink and fight. And finally, I got on my knees, and I asked God to help me. I surrendered. I said, God, Father, help me. Actually, I coughed myself down to the ground. I coughed myself to the ground, and God answered me. As soon as, when I, while I was on the ground saying, God, help me, the, the, my neighbor knocking on the, uh, on the wall. He goes, Fernando, they want you at the gas station. Man, can anybody pray around here? <laughs> and I run to the gas station because I, I haven't had a job in three months. I'm in the freeway collecting money. And they say, well, you got to fill out an application. They say, yeah, yeah, I'll fill it out and stuff like that. And they gave me the, uh, I forced them to give me the application. And I wanted to start right there, right there now. And they get the application. I can't remember my name. What is your name? <laughs> let alone the date, the city, or anything, you know, so it wouldn't come back. That's what you call, a, you know, seriously wet brain. I'm starting, you know, wouldn't come up. Luckily, I had a little bit of ID. I put that down. I started there. I started working a few hours. I asked for uh, for five bucks to go eat, you know, I was shaking. And he, the guy gave it to me. I went down to the uh, local store, bought a sandwich, and I, I couldn't eat it. It wouldn't go down. You know, just like... It just just would not go down. It was just like, and that was uh, that was my first DUI. And what I'm just, and now I got into AA on my second DUI. Okay, I went to uh, you know how family are. They go ahead and they help you with uh, signing for a truck and start working for Ralph's Grocery Company, meat department, and you're doing good. And I remember being at uh, there in Bellflower with my sister and my brother-in-law, and I got the new pickup truck. I'm not working, taking it, you know, not going out. And he tells me, hey, man, why don't you go out there and wet your whistle, you know? A lot of places to dance and so forth. I'm about 26, 25. And, and it scared me. You know, I, I had no defense against the first drink. And I remember that fear. I went out there and slopped it up, got together with a lady that had four kids from four different kids, four different fathers, and, and the drinking. And then I got a motorcycle, I, you know, and, uh, and then I wrecked the truck. They took my license away, so then I said, I figured I'll drive a motorcycle. They won't know I won't have a license, right? <laughs> and uh, anyway, I fell off of that, doing willies and stuff, uh, drunk. But thank God that uh, now getting back into when I first walked in, I had a list of go to AA meetings, East L.A. I went I was in Montebello and I went to Los Amigos. And in that list, I had a lot of meetings in there. And I went the closest one. When I walked into that group of Alcoholic Anonymous, they had all the guys. When I saw in their eyes, I saw them surrendered, that they were sad, that they, they were crazy in the society. And that they were doing something for society, you know, by helping the, the new guy come in. And that's, that's what I saw. I saw in their, in their faces that whatever the program was, I could not lose. You know, I, I saw nothing but, uh, you know, compassion. So when I started the, the program sitting there, 
No one came up to me. No one talked to me. I don't remember anybody. I did about, you know, I was not reachable. I didn't have hope, faith, belief, or trust. You know, because the alcohol had taken everything away. I had no confidence whatsoever. Everything was gone. The only confidence I was getting was that little drink. The only confidence I was getting was the, uh, you know, the rage, that the little rage it would give me. Thank God I still had a job. I was pumping diesel for Ralph's Grocery Company in the nighttime. Couldn't drive anymore. So here I go. And, uh, but then in that, in that, in the uh, class, I remember the first time in that class, the interviews class, it was $600 in the early 80s to pay for that class. I had to go to the class twice a week, one hour session and then 15 minute interview. And then I was work, going to classes, one to in East LA, what they call it, working in Carson. Um, and then I started, I took a chemistry class because I wanted to do air conditioning. Uh, in the chemistry class, all they talked about was the molecule of alcohol. And I was wondering, how do they know I'm an alcoholic anonymous, you know? and. You know, I left, I came here from another country. I never went to school. And then when you try to take a chemistry class, when you leave at 16 and you're 30 times in, in juvenile hall, it showed, you know, you had nothing but fail, 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 fail. It was 20, 20 tests on that chemistry class. But I told myself, I'm going to do this even if I fail. I'm going to do this program even if I fail. And that's the way, the attitude I have today with you. I go, just... Keep coming to meetings. Make a commitment. Even if you fail, you just fall forward and keep coming, keep coming. And that was what happened. I kept falling forward drinking. Then I have a week or two weeks and then three weeks. And before it, you know it, I was walking, you know, without falling. But I did, I did, had a lot of success in, in the program. The power to do right and to get business happen here in AA. But I, I forgot to do the triangle. You know, I got the recovery, but I didn't do the unity or the service. And even though I, I had bought a house, you know, a year later, you know, I'm still sitting on my hands and shaking. And here, uh, uh, things change so quick and because of the power that's in here through osmosis, through the power of unity and surrendered individuals, you got to pour it over to heaven to get power and, and good things start to happen. So I was cursed when I was without the program. I came in bloody, you know, and shaking and not, and, and, and now a year later, I bought a Mercedes Benz and started selling real estate. I was able to concentrate and focus. Um, so then I went to the church and maybe it was just a stepping stone. <laughs> How wrong I was. I lost everything. 14 years later, I ended up with a hamster or a hamper. I don't remember what, you know. It was, everything was gone in the reeling of the mind. Then for the next four or five years, um, the, it was hard just to do life. So finally, I thank God I came back in 1994 in, in Tracy, California. I came back and right away I got into service. In three months, I became a secretary for a men's meeting. I called it the 12 Angry Men because I told them I was going to have burritos for breakfast. And I, it, it was closed. And, uh, you know, I made a lot of mis- uh And then I had the, the opportunity to, um, to go to Sacramento. And in Sacramento, we, I started four groups in the morning. 
I should just say, hey, let's get some morning. You know, she's all enthusiastic. Let's get some morning groups going. Let's start this, start that. Then I started another group in Antioch, California called Fully Clothed in My Right Mind. I went into the Alana Club and I said, here, here's $300. Give me that room at 9 o'clock. And, and uh, I want to, and then I start, I'm over there on vacation. And I started getting that, that, going to other meetings and getting the call bill and say, hey, we need secretaries, you know, anybody come down. Today I go back and there's 30 people in the 9 a.m. There's no room, standing room. And, and, and they say it's the most fired up group in the area after COVID. You know, those people, it's, it's a lot of fun and they have a lot of celebration. So, uh, I go that they call me the founding father. So when I, one guy goes, hey, come on, I got a present for you. Really? You know, I, I go over there, I'm all excited. And he gives me a big book and a 12 and 12 brand new. I go, oh, God, I got, got hundreds of these, man. <laughs> but the way it is today, today I, had gone to, I went to Vietnam. I went to, for him to go smuggle some Bibles in there. You know, I thought I used to smuggle dough from Tijuana this way. Hey, it was... There's a few Bibles over there, even though they got rifles on the other side, and they want to talk to you. <laughs> I go, I don't understand Chino. I'll just keep walking, you know. And uh, I almost got ourselves into trouble, and those guys with the Jeeps and the rifles and so forth. And, uh, you know, we alcoholics seek adventure. AA is so interesting because we, we deal with stories. You know, the grapevine and all this, the people's stories. Just, I mean, what... The, the just amazing uh, we drink spiritual wine in here I get high with the stories with the laughter and the joy it just fulfills my purpose in life you know the triangle is so important be of service unity in the beginning I could I didn't know how to be of service but the only service I could do was pray you know just pray like that that was my service in the beginning that's the only thing I, I could do and then after that the uh it started, it start, you know, God started to do and move for me and do things for me that, that, that was just remarkable. It strained out the IRS, strained out the, uh, and I just got married about uh, 12 years ago in the program. I was working with this other lady trying to get her to get sober an attorney. And she had a sister and me and the sister connected. Now the sister just completed 13 years. You know, she stopped drinking because I started bringing her to meetings and so forth. And we go to Hawaii. We have, you know, just about every year. And I do the conventions, the AA conventions and so forth. And, uh, you know, just a lot of things that I normally wouldn't do. You know, life is still not perfect. She's been up there at her mom's house. Her mom is sick. She's been up in the Pittsburgh, Antioch area uh, since Thanksgiving. I've been there a couple of times. You know, so it's, it's tough. But yet... Uh, you know, we, we, we understand that we're in service and that's what keeps us together. Just, you know, looking ahead to be of service. We do pancakes for the, like tomorrow morning, I'm going to do pancakes for the park meeting. You know, and they came out all weird. She usually does them for me. She's not here. And then we're going to do a barbecue on the Friday night meeting at the park. I mean, we got some real good sirloin. You know, you got three different kinds at Costco. The sirloin best hamburger patties. Then the cheapies, the middle, we buy these ones, guys. <laughs> Little inside information. <laughs> and that's Friday at 5.30 over here at the Finkbinder Park. Just close by. Go for a free dinner and listen to a speaker. we got two speakers come in. So, you know, it's, 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 
it is fun to be in recovery and to be part of this thing on 28 years and to have a communication with, with your higher power. Uh, so that's about it, guys. I feel like I'm... Thank you. I like these speaker meetings. You always seem